Welcome to Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tarmody, where it's all about health optimization, anti-aging, longevity, and being the very best you can be. Brought to you by lisatarmody.com. Well, hey team, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. Now, this week, I do a deep dive with a scientist, Dr. Nathan Bryan, on nitric oxide. What is nitric oxide? It's a gas that the body produces, and we produce a heck of a lot of it when we're young and less of it when we're old, generally. And uh, it's a crucial compound that the body needs for so many uh, benefits. So Dr. Brian is an international leader in molecular medicine and specifically in nitric oxide. So he's going to share with you uh, all about this and what you can do to improve your nitric oxide, uh, how do you say it, the production of of it in your body, um, how you can test for it, how you can influence it by what diet you have, also what supplements you can take to improve this. Now, this is very, very important for cardiovascular health, also immune health, uh, sporting performance, a whole lot of things. Now, as an athlete, I used to take beetroot juice thinking I was upping my nitric oxide. And Dr. Nathan Bryan explains why I may have or may have, may not have uh, been able to do that with beetroot juice alone. Um, he talks about uh, the pathways that are involved, two of the pathways that the body uses to make uh, nitric oxide, what happens when you don't have enough of it, um, things like blood pressure and the it relaxes the blood vessels. So a, a super deep dive into this very, very important topic. And most importantly, I think he has come up with ways to get more nitric oxide into the body through supplementation because when you're older and you have a nitric oxide enzyme that is not coupled and not functioning properly, this may be the only way that you can actually overcome that. And for people who are struggling with things like cardiovascular disease and blood pressure problems uh, and oxygenation because it's part of oxygen and a delivery to the body, then this is a super important episode for you to listen to. I have Dr. Brian's lozenges that um, he has developed now in the shop. So if you are interested in getting that after listening to this important episode, then please head over to lisatarmody.com, hit the shop button and put in the search bar nitric oxide and it will come up for you. Right, over to the show now with Dr. Nathan Bryan. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have a superstar in the world of science and health and longevity to guest. I have Dr. Nathan Bryan with me. Welcome to the show, sir. It's really wonderful to have you. Thank you, Lisa. It's great to be with you. It's, an oh, it's been a long time coming, this podcast. I'm sorry. We've had a few hiccups along the way, but um, we, we're going to be diving into the world of nitric oxide, which is your uh, what you've spent your life really studying. Um, so, uh, Dr. Nathan, can you just give us a bit of a brief overview of how the heck did you get to be the world's leading expert on nitric oxide? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's just like any career, it's a journey, right? So I started out um, you know, I got a bachelor's degree in biochemistry from the University of Texas uh, in Austin, and I quickly realized that, you know, to really get where I needed to be, I needed to further my education because a bachelor's degree in biochemistry, really, the job market wasn't great. <laughs> so from there, I'd, I'd always had an interest in science and medicine, so I enrolled at LSU School of Medicine, and I first completed a PhD in molecular and cellular physiology, and that was at the time that a Nobel Prize had just been awarded for the discovery of nitric oxide. So during my PhD work, 
I was kind of tasked with trying to find ways that we could analyze or detect, you know, very small amounts of nitric oxide that are produced physiologically, nanomolar, femtomolar levels of, of, of nitric oxide gas. So I developed these analytical techniques, and then we really had some tools that not a lot of research labs in the world had. And so from there, I think I finished my PhD in a year and a half or two years, and then I went and I uh, was a postdoctoral fellow at Boston Medical Center, where I continued to work on on nitric oxide. And, you know, we were very productive during those years. This was the early 2000s. We were publishing 10 or 12, sometimes 15 papers a year. Wow. And I, you know, then was recruited by Fred Murad, one of the gentlemen who shared the Nobel Prize, because he was familiar with the work we were doing. And that was when I got my first independent faculty position at University of Texas Medical School in Houston. And from there, we just kind of started making discoveries, filing patents. And turns out we made a lot of similar discoveries in the field. And I'm the first and only person to ever make a solid dose form of of nitric oxide gas. Um, So now we know what goes wrong in the people, we know how the human body makes nitric oxide. We understand what goes wrong in these people that can't make it. Uh, and now we have technologies that can restore and, and recapitulate nitric oxide based signal. So that's kind of the, a 25 year story condensed in two minutes. Into two seconds. <laughs> and you mentioned Dr. Murad and, you know, like the Nobel prize is not given for, for, for nothing and nitric oxide, I think this was in 2009 or something. So you sort of grown up in this space with nitric oxide and, and like for the listeners who don't know what the hell nitric oxide is, um, shall we start there, what it is and yes, what sure. its role in the body is and why it's just absolutely crucial what we're talking about this today? Well, it's a, it's really a signaling molecule, meaning that it's how cells in the body communicate with one another. But interestingly, it was a, it's a gas. And when it's produced in the body, it's a gas and it's gone in less than a second. Wow. But during the time it's produced, it activates a number of signaling and cascades and Uh, controls a number of different important physiological functions. So it's recognized primarily as a signal in the blood vessels, the lining of the blood vessels. So when it's produced, it opens up the blood vessels. So it leads to vasodilation. So when you can open up blood vessels upon demand, you get increase in oxygen and nutrient delivery, you improve blood flow and circulation. It reduces inflammation in the lining of the blood vessels, what causes cardiovascular disease. Uh, It's produced in our neurons. It's a neurotransmitter in the central nervous system. And it's how our immune cells kill off invading pathogens. So when we're exposed to a virus or a bacterium, then our immune cells quickly mobilize, go to the site of infection or attachment, and then generates nitric oxide and it kills bacteria and it prevents virus from replicating. So now that we understood the full roles of nitric oxide, one can begin to appreciate if your body can't make nitric oxide, there are a lot of bad things that happen. Number one, you're up the creek. High blood pressure, you develop sexual dysfunction. You become very susceptible to viral infections and bacterial infections, and you start to lose memory and develop mild cognitive disorders, vascular dementia, and if not corrected, and develop into Alzheimer's. So those, that's kind of, in a nutshell, what nitric oxide is, but it just it's a critical signaling molecule that regulates very basic biological function from the uptake and oxygen and oxygen delivery to every organ, tissue, and cell in the body, regulates blood flow, circulation, modulates inflammation, and it's critical for our immune function. 
And, and if nitric oxide is so important, um, so we've got sort of two pathways in the body, which we'll probably get into in a second, that where the nitric oxide is is produced, so to speak. And if it's only right. there for a split second, people are like, well, you know, is that important? But when you said signaling molecule, that's always a, a really interesting concept, the signaling molecule, because that right. sort of gives instructions to the body to do something that's really, really important. And as we get older and as we live in this toxic soup that we're living in um, called, called planet earth at the moment, um, right. where we're surrounded with so many things that are going wrong from EMFs to pesticides, to fluoride in our water, to um, what you well, name you it, name medications. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a, a number of pathways that I, I sort of want to mention to people there. Um, but this is this is why this starts to go south. This is this starts to become dysfunctional in so many of us, and it's happening earlier and earlier. It used to be something that maybe you in the fifties and sixties started to be dealing with, but um, it's happening earlier that we get dysfunction in our nitric oxide. Can you elaborate a little bit on some of those <laughs> points? Yeah. So, we'll, yeah, I think it, it's a great segue into how the body produces nitric oxide because the end there's an enzyme called nitric oxide synthase. It's the enzyme in the body that produces nitric oxide gas. That enzyme is found primarily in the lining of the blood vessels. In fact, it's, it's found in almost every cell type, not just in the blood vessels, neurons, and epithelial cells. So the function of that enzyme is dependent upon a number of different cofactors and substrates. And so the normal dietary, or normal dietary patterns and exposure to things like EMF, glyphosate, pesticides, all render this enzyme dysfunctional. Yeah. Or if you're under a lot of oxidative stress and you're eating an, an inflammatory diet and you're not getting enough exercise and you get exposed to all these toxins, then it leads to this enzyme becoming dysfunctional. We call that uncoupling. And that we, we refer to that as endothelial dysfunction. So the endothelium's inability to produce nitric oxide, we call it endothelial dysfunction. So if you look at from kind of population studies from even 10, 15, 20 years ago, we found that we lost on average, about 10 to 12% of our endothelial function per decade. And that's starting in our late teens, early 20s. So historically, by the time you're 40 or 50 years old, you only have about 50% of the function of that enzyme you did when you were younger. But now we're finding, you know, 20, 24-year-old young men who have erectile dysfunction and who have a vascular age of a 50 or 60-year-old. So now we're starting to see vascular dysfunction and nitric oxide insufficiency very early on. And when you lose the ability to produce nitric oxide, that puts you on a very slippery slope for the onset and progression of cardiovascular disease, which remains the number one killer of men and women worldwide. So we have to figure, now we know how to recouple that enzyme. We know what contributes to the loss of the function. And so to make a long story short, we can recouple that enzyme and prevent this age-related decline in nitric oxide production. But the, the beauty of that is, is that there's second-to-second regulation of nitric oxide. And, you know, my argument was, if this is such a critical molecule, then the human body would not develop to to have a primary or a singular pathway to make this. And so there's a backup system, and that backup system comes from the diet. And in fact, it explains the mechanism of a plant-based diet, Japanese diet, Mediterranean-based diet. So a certain compound called nitrate, inorganic nitrate, is found primarily in green leafy vegetables, and when we consume these certain food patterns, then the body can convert that into nitric oxide and really compensate for the loss of nitric oxide being produced in the lining of the blood vessel. So one can compensate for the other, but when you lose the ability to produce nitric oxide from the diet and in the lining of the blood vessels, then you become nitric oxide deficient 
and you start developing symptoms, disease, and eventually death. And this is why you, you know, your mum told you to eat your, your leafy greens. <laughs> you get, why I tell my mum now every day to eat your leafy greens. But the problem is also then that our soils are not what they were and that uh, you you can't always know that you're getting the nitrates. And even I heard on one of your lectures you're talking about like organic's great, right? We, we'll get rid of the pesticides right. and all that's great, but we're also not allowed with organic rules to use nitrate and actually <laughs> that's detrimental. So some right. of the organic veggies have got even less nitrates in them. And then my mind goes to nitrates. Isn't that the stuff that's in bacon and isn't that bad? <laughs> Can you comment on that? Yeah, you know, so if you just look, we've tracked this and there's data from the 1940s. And we look obviously in the U.S., but it's probably consistent around the world. The nutrient density of the vegetables from the 1940s compared to 2010, there's a 78% decrease in nutrients in the vegetables. So the, the, the pressures of feeding a growing population are at the expense of nutrient density. So it's not just nitrate, it's, it's many trace minerals like selenium and chromium and many important wow. nutrients that most people are missing. Yep. So when we start to look and trying to quantify the amount of nitrate that's in specific vegetables and really in specific regions around the world, we find that there's a huge variability. So the difference in soil conditions, the amount of sunlight, the amount of lightning, uh, storms in a particular area all determine the amount of nitrogen that's fixed in the soil so that when the vegetables are grown, they assimilate nitrate that we then consume. So there's a huge geographical differences, you know, as much as a 50 to 60 fold difference from, you know, southern U.S. and Texas versus the northeast in New York, for example. And then, as you mentioned, organically grown vegetables typically have, you know, five to 10 times less nitrate than conventionally grown. So the reason for that is, at least in the U.S., and different governments have different regulatory restrictions, but in the U.S., to be called organic, number one, you can't add herbicides or pesticides, which is a good thing. Mm. But number two, there's restrictions on the amount of nitrogen-based fertilizers you add to the soil. So you can add manure, you can add compost, but to get an organic label, there's restrictions on a standardized nitrogen-based fertilizer in the soil. So as a consequence, these soils are deficient in nit nitrogen, they're deficient in nitrate, so there's less nitrate to assimilate in an organically grown vegetable. But that's, you know, this is all, this is kind of the aha moment for a lot of people because they go nitrate, and, and as you said, is that the stuff in bacon and hot dogs <laughs> that we're told to, uh, to avoid? avoid? <laughs> and it's the exact same molecule, but, you know, the media hasn't been forthright with us and, and honest in all the communications. And there's, there's, enough, there's enormous <laughs> pressure. <laughs> by big food and then it, it you know consumers are a little bit confused and they become it's, it's really deception just interrupting the show to let you know about our patron community here and the podcast at Pushing the Limits. We've been going for eight years and we really need your support to keep the show on air and free to everybody so that everyone gets this fantastic information uh, from all these great doctors, scientists, athletes, business people from all around the world. So we would love you to come and join us. You get a lot of exclusive member benefits when you do, but really it's about supporting the show and keeping it on air. And for a coffee or two a month, that it would be fantastic if you can come and join us. You can go to patron.lisatarmity.com. That's patron.lisatarmity.com and check it all out. So this whole thing about nitrate and nitrite and cured and processed meats causing cancer and should be avoided started in the 1950s when it was first recognized that some 
fish cured with nitrite, they formed nitrosamines, some preformed low molecular weight nitrosamines, and then nitrosamines are carcinogenic, uh, mutagenic compounds. So that's how they kind of put the story together that nitrite forms nitrosamines, nitrosamines cause cancer. Oh, and if nitrites in cured and processed meats, then they cause cancer. Well, over the past 30 years, that story has completely fallen apart because in the 1980s, it was first discovered that the human body actually produces nitrite in a tree. In fact, it was those fundamental discoveries that led to the discovery of nitric oxide. So the body would never intentionally produce a carcinogen, right? When we're naturally yep. producing, these are typically environmental toxicants that once we're exposed to, then they're metabolized into these. So that really right there should have put that story to bed. And then we, about 20 years ago, started revealing that about 85% of the nitrate that we get from our diet comes from green leafy vegetables. And only 5% of the nitrate we get from our diet comes from cured and processed meats. And the other 10% comes from swallowing our own saliva. Mm. So if this whole story were true, that nitrate and nitrite cause cancer, then people who eat a plant-based diet or vegetarians mm. or the Japanese so- would have 10 times higher rates of cancer than those people who eat and processed meats. And we know it's just the opposite. The people who eat a plant-based diet have lower incidence of cancer. And now we know that nitric oxide controls cell cycle. It, it actually has anti-cancer, anti-tumor activities. It gets oxygen wow. to a hypoxic tumor and uh, cancer doesn't like oxygen. Nope. <laughs> so now we know that, can, that nitric oxide has some very potent anti-cancer effects. That's, you can that's... do this through repletion of nitrate and nitrite in the diet. That's really interesting because I've uh, released a, a book called, you know, What Your Oncologist Isn't Telling You, which is all about the metabolic yeah. approach to cancer. And because uh, I had a mum had uh, CNS lymphoma on top of her aneurysms and strokes and GI bleeds, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we were given eight weeks to live. And so I went like full research mode and, and did the whole sort of um, dozens of interviews with with world leading experts in this area. And and this is a, a was a question in my mind and why uh, two years ago I I didn't put nitric oxide into mum's protocol because I wasn't sure of the implications at that point. So that's really right. an important point for for me to understand that that is actually something that's going to be beneficial and it sort of reminds me because I have a hyperbaric oxygen therapy clinic and um, hyperbaric is very powerful also because it's delivering oxygen to the tissues and we know when I read some of your work that there's actually three gases involved in the respiratory process. Um, right. I don't want to butcher the science because I don't have it inside out, but there's not just oxygen and, you know, we breathe out the carbon dioxide and, and, and stuff, but there's, there's a, there's the nitric oxide helps it get into the tissues. Can you uh, right. explain that? So I don't butcher it. Sure. Well, now I'll get, let me just go back to the, the hyperbaric. You know, hyperbaric is very effective in cancer because it oxygenates the tissue. But That's hyperbaric true. works mechanistically because it increases nitric oxide production, which then mobilizes stem cells, which then goes and repairs and replaces dysfunctional tissue. Wow. So nitric oxide is extremely protective in most, if not all, chronic diseases, including cancer. But when you talk about the three-gas system of the cardiopulmonary cycle, that when, when we breathe in oxygen, oxygen binds to the iron of hemoglobin in our red blood cells, and then it goes from the arteries to the veins through capillaries. And during that transit from the arteries to the veins, it senses a, sw- a switch in oxygen tension, right? And then it, the hemoglobin undergoes a, a, structure, a change in structure and releases oxygen, picks up CO2, then we exhale out C- carbon dioxide. 
And in 2015, Jonathan Stamler really solved the puzzle on this, showing that that process only works if you have nitric oxide bound to hemoglobin in the red cell. So it's nitric oxide that actually controls the release of oxygen, picking up CO2. So the whole Bohr effect, which means you can control oxygen uptake and oxygen delivery based on changes in pH, oxygen tension, uh, carbon dioxide, and, and 2,3-DPG, these metabolites that control the Bohr effect, is really controlled and regulated by nitric oxide gas. Because if your body's not making nitric oxide and there's no nitric oxide signaling in the hemoglobin of the red blood cell, then oxygen does not come off. Wow. So then people become systemically hypoxic. Uh, right? We saw this in COVID. You know, yeah. We all survived COVID for the past three years. And the, the problem was that the patients were losing blood oxygen saturation. So what happens? You, if, if your blood oxygen saturation goes below 90, they take you to the hospital, they put you on 100% oxygen, still wouldn't improve oxygenation. They put you on a mechanical vent, still didn't improve it, and then people die. Yeah. Well, all we had to do Simple was side. produce nitric oxide or give nitric oxide and even breathing room air. We saw in our COVID trial that patients would go from blood oxygen saturation of 78 to 96 within eight minutes. Well, I bet just that wasn't, nitric oxide. I bet that didn't get adopted in all the hospitals of the world as it should have been. Well, you know, we had a we had a phase three clinical trial during COVID. And, you know, there was a lot of resistance to what we were doing because it was <laughs> really a safe and effective early treatment. Yep. And at that time you know, the, the so-called experts and the people in charge weren't interested in early therapy. They were interested in vaccine mandates, mm-hmm. which you know, fast forward three years, we know that not only they're not safe, mm-hmm. they're ineffective in preventing the transmission, uh, sickness and death from COVID. So, And yeah, we're seeing a lot of, you know, vaccine damaged people walking in my doors anyway. And and a lot of it is hypoxia, you know, like there's, there's, there's pericarditis, myocarditis, all of that sort of stuff. But, the, you know, if you trace that back, um, so, so my mind goes to, well, your, your, the nitric oxide, um, lozenges that we'll get into a, a little bit later would be beneficial in say long COVID or post vaccine sure. damage or, so, or anything like that. Yeah. The problem is the spike protein, right? It's not really the COVID infection. It's yeah. the inflammation caused by the spike protein. So whether it's active COVID infection or now these vaccinated people who their own cells are now generating the their spike own, protein for yeah. the rest of their lives. They've got to deal with this toxic poison for the rest of their life because now it's integrated in their own DNA. They're constantly making it. So now the question is, how do we mitigate the effects of the inflammatory damage caused by the spike protein? And nitric oxide is front line to that because we've seen that nitric oxide downregulates the ACE receptor, which is the primary target for the spike protein attachment. And it prevents the microvascular inflammation, platelet aggregation, and all the vascular inflammation that occurs as a result of either COVID infection or the vaccine-produced uh, spike protein. Yeah, yeah. And, and and we don't know when this is ever going to turn off or in the body, and that's the scary part of it. You know, uh, it absolutely terrifies me. <laughs> um, but we won't go down that rabbit hole because that, yeah. we could be here for two two days. Yeah, um, it should be criminal. It, it, yeah, exactly, my opinion as well. Um I wanted to talk a little bit on uh, mouthwash and fluoride yeah. and the microbiome in the mouth and how important that is because this is where the stuff is, like the nitric oxide, well, I'll let you explain that. Can you yeah. explain why, why we're doing something like we think is hygienic to do mouthwash every morning, you know, like millions of us do. Why the heck right. is that destroying our nitric oxide production? Well, you have to, let's go back and, and, and 
talk about how things are adopted kind of in the global community in the medical practice. And most of the time, there's good intent. Let's, let's get rid of the past three years where we know there wasn't good intent to begin with. But historically in medicine, there's good intent and the reason people do things. So we know about an oral systemic link, meaning that people who have poor oral hygiene have higher incidence of heart attack and stroke and cardiovascular disease. So the approach was if these bacteria in the mouth are causing cardiovascular disease, let's just kill them, right? So they use antiseptic mouthwash. Well, now fast forward 20 or 30 years and the human microbiome has been completely mapped. And we now realize that the bacteria that live in and on our body outnumber on human cells 10 to 1. Mm. And most of these bacteria, I would say 99% of the bacteria that live in and on our body are there as what we call symbionts. It's a symbiotic relationship. They're providing essential metabolic processes for the human that we can't do. And then the human's providing them an, a host, a, kind of a, a safe host for them to replicate and do their job. So part of the second pathway we we talked about when you get nitrate from the vegetables and then this can be converted into nitric oxide in the body, it's dependent upon the oral bacteria because humans do not have a, a nitrate reductase enzyme. Mm-hmm. So again, it's the role of the bacteria that live in and on our body, primarily the oral cavity, that perform this first metabolic activation of inorganic nitrate from our vegetables. And then that saliva is then concentrated in nitrite and we swallow our own saliva, we get a burst of nitric oxide gas in the stomach. So probably, uh, when was it? Probably 15, 20 years ago, some of the first studies came out showing that if you use mouthwash, people who use mouthwash saw an increase in blood pressure. And then we came on and tried to figure out, okay, what bacteria are responsible for maintaining normal blood pressure? Because this is a new paradigm in, mm-hmm. in management of hypertension, right? So we found that if you eradicate the oral microbiome, through antiseptic mouthwash, then it disrupts the conversion of nitrate to nitrite and nitric oxide. Your blood pressure goes up. You lose the protective benefits of exercise and bad things happen. So in the U.S., two out of three Americans, or about 200 million Americans, wake up every morning and use mouthwash. Mm. Sometimes they do this two or three times a day. And two out of three Americans have an unsafe elevation in blood pressure. Mm -hmm. Then in 2019, we showed for the first time that this is causal. So when you eradicate the bacteria, we took normal tensive, really young, healthy medical students, dental students, and we just gave them mouthwash twice a day for seven days, monitored their blood pressure, did tongue scrapings. And we found that after seven days in several people, their blood pressure would go up 20 to 30 millimeters of mercury just by eradicating the bacteria. We didn't change their diet. We didn't change their exercise. We didn't change nothing. We just killed the bacteria in their mouth and we caused clinical hypertension in these patients. Amazing. so we have to we have to account for the the oral microbiome. And you know, there's a reason that your physician, if you have, you know, a bacterial infection, that you take an antibiotic for maybe 10 days at most, right? Exactly. So why we is don't that? Take, we know antibiotics are bad for us. You, know, like we have you to. do not take an antibiotic every day for the rest of your life because mm-hmm. of the collateral damage and the systemic effects and really systemic disease, chronic antibiotics cause. So the same concepts apply in the oral cavity, you should not and you cannot use an antiseptic every day for the rest of your life. You can, but there's going to be some really deadly clinical consequences to that. It's going to be erectile dysfunction, high blood pressure, increased risk of heart attack and stroke, uh, and and bad things happen. So I tell people, if you're using mouthwash, you have to stop. The other problem is fluoride. You know, fluoride's in water, it's in toothpaste, 
Yep. It's but not just only an antiseptic. Yeah. Yeah. It's not only an antiseptic that kills the bacteria, but it kills your thyroid function. And it's a neurotoxin. Mm. It's one of the toxic, one of the most toxic elements on the periodic table. And yet they put it in water and put it in our. Uh, I know they've just done it to us last month, and so we've had, we had to, you know, redo our house with filters, and and you know, you're still getting it when you go out for a coffee at your local cafe, you know, like no, that's right. Mass medication, just yeah, to me, it's just. Uh, so to me, it's no wonder why we have the sickest population, right? Exactly. Despite all this money like being function. being spent on these incre- incredible doctors with incredible things, we're still getting sicker and sicker as a population, and yeah. you know, it's just dumb stuff like this that you just. And again, it goes back to the 1950s and one particular study that 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 was done wrong and interpreted wrong, and okay. yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, but you know, the, the beauty of this is, is that it's not a lack of knowledge, right? We have the information. We have mechanistically, we understand what causes human disease. And so now we just have to apply this. We have to rework the, the medical care system and the way we train future physicians and let them understand the mechanism of disease so that we can fix it. And really pharmaceuticals aren't going to fix anything because we have to understand the mechanism of disease. It's really you know, your body's missing something that it needs or it's exposed to something that it doesn't. So if we replete missing nutrients and get rid of the toxins, the fluoride in our water, the, the antiseptics that we're using on an everyday basis sometimes, and then, you know, the body heals itself. That's how the human body is designed. Give it what it needs, it heals itself. It's got to get out of the way. And this is, you know, like when we're talking about like cardiovascular disease and dementia and diabetes, these are all the big killers, you know, like this is our increasing our risk massively for this another one of my pet issues is um uh, proton pump inhibitors right oh yeah Uh, i've got so many clients who are on proton pump inhibitors and and it's a disaster you know you look you do an organic acids test or you you do some testing with them and you just see their minerals are not being uptaken they've got you know dysbiosis they've got cardiovascular problems you know like the, the protein synthesis is poor um, right. and it disrupts your nitric oxide. What's the connection there? Like proton pump inhibitors, I'm talking about like your meprazoles, your antacids, your Tums, your, you know, all of these yeah. things that people take for acid reflux or <clears throat> heartburn. W- w- where are we going wrong here? Well, look, I've never understood this. I'm a, I'm a biochemist and physiologist by training and it's, you cannot suppress stomach acid production and expect the human body to perform. There's a reason our stomach, our parietal cells in our stomach make hydrochloric acid. You need it to break down proteins into amino acids. You need acid to, to absorb things like iron and B vitamins and selenium and chromium and iodine. So without stomach acid, then none of you don't get absorption of nutrients. You don't get protein broken down into amino acids. You start absorbing peptide fragments and it's the basis for autoimmune disease. And all foodborne allergies, it's lack of stomach acid. So that that right there creates a problem on its own that's, that creates most of the world's health problems. Mm. But as it relates to nitric oxide, if you these proton pump inhibitors actually prevent, they inhibit an enzyme that leads to a breakdown of asymmetric dimethyl arginine. So then you get a buildup of this metabolite, and that shuts down nitric oxide production. Mm-hmm. And the other problem is, you know, when we talk about swallowing our own saliva, so even if you have the right bacteria and you swallow your saliva, that nitrite in the saliva is designed to produce nitric oxide gas in the acid environment of the stomach. But if there's no acid being produced because you're on these antacids, then 
you basically completely inhibit nitric oxide production from both pathways. And now there's data that people have been on these drugs for three to five years, have 40% higher incidence of heart attack and stroke. And just two weeks ago, there was a new study out showing that people who have been on these drugs for four years have a 35 to 40% higher incidence of dementia and Alzheimer's. So these, these drugs are deadly. They're killing people. And I tell these should be, there should be a black box warning on these drugs, just like there was on Celebrex and Biox, COX-2 inhibitors back in the early 2000s. There's clear evidence that people who take these have heart attack and strokes. The mechanism is very well defined. And we have to get these drugs off the market and start weaning patients off of these antacids. They're not only dangerous, uh, but they prevent the human body from doing its job. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm dealing with a couple of clients at the moment in that situation, and you're dealing with uh, the, the you know the, their doctors saying they have to be on it to protect them from you know ulcers or something. Um, well, then you know during COVID they were putting everybody every patient that was admitted in the hospital for COVID they would give them an antacid. Why? I mean, this exacerbated the condition, and I think that's why so many people died unnecessarily because every protocol they were practicing was counterintuitive, and it led to increased susceptibility, increased risk, and increased death from COVID. Yeah, it, it just absolutely boggles the mind sometimes. And I mean, I've just been dealing with the hospital last week, and wonderful people, wonderful nurses, wonderful doctors, except for a few arrogant consultants. They're <laughs> <laughs> out there. Oh, yeah, I won't go into that story today because we might be here for another year. Um, <laughs> but it, it just is... Yeah, you 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 you're dealing with paradigm shifts at the moment, and and things are changing, and there's a lot more openness in the younger generation that's coming through, and there's functional medicine, there's integrated medicine, and it's just you know we're living in an exciting change, but sometimes it feels right. very glacial, and it's sort of you know one year by the next as they certain ones that you know are no longer practicing, um, we will get changed slowly, but it is, uh, you know, a, a massively long process. Um, well, these are very, there's very powerful forces going up against us, right? Yeah, huge. I mean, what, we, what we're doing is, is changing the landscape of medicine and really affecting the financial model of medicine. And it's a trillion dollar industry and big pharma doesn't really want to cure any disease. They want to continue to treat disease because that's the bread and, bread and butter of the economic model. Just interrupting the show to let you know about my longevity and anti-aging supplement range. I'd love you to go and check it out. Go to my website, lisatarmity.com and hit the shop button and you'll see a curated range of supplements, the latest in anti-aging, longevity, health optimization, performance optimization. I've gone out into the world, interviewed the most amazing doctors and scientists, as you'll know if you follow the show, and gone and got some of the best products that are out there. Stuff that I give to my family, that's what's in my range. So go and check it out at lisatamati.com. But we understand the mechanism of disease today. It's not a lack of information. We don't need any more studies. Billions of dollars are spent on cancer research, cardiovascular disease. We have the information. It's the application of the science in the clinical practice. That's exactly, which takes on. twenty to thirty years right. <laughs> to get down to the to the to the um, the person on on you know in the community who needs the thing now, um, that's and right. that's why you know I do what I do and and share and educate and and try and get wonderful people like yourself who have spent twenty five years down one big rabbit hole to explain something in detail, um, and so that people can sort of understand that. Now, we, if we go back to um, 
when the the Nobel Prize came out and then there was a whole lot of companies that came on the market that had nitric oxide boosting supplements. And, and, and it was great, you know, like, uh, and I've tried a lot of them over the years and that, you know, we didn't see the results necessarily because, I mean, as an athlete, we were all on beetroot powder and you know things like that. Um, where, where have they gone wrong there and why are, are some, you know, not all um, uh, nitric oxide supplements created equal? Well, it's called advancement of science and knowledge, right? What we know today is much different than what we knew in 1998 when the Nobel Prize was awarded. So that really put nitric oxide on the map. I mean, the Nobel Prize is awarded for, for discoveries that, that changed the landscape of mankind mm-hmm. and humanity. So it's a fundamental discovery for us, the Nobel Prize would be awarded. At that time, we knew that there, there was an enzyme called nitric oxide synthase that converted L-arginine, which is amino acid, into nitric oxide. So then a number of companies flooded the market with, with nitric oxide products that contained L-arginine, right? But now understanding the enzymology and the biochemistry in patients who are nitric oxide deficient is that the enzyme that converts arginine to nitric oxide is broken, it's dysfunctional, and it does not convert arginine. So giving more arginine does not lead to any nitric oxide. In fact, now many studies show that giving arginine to a patient with an uncoupled NOS can actually cause more harm. Wow. In two studies, yeah. post-infarct patients, so patients who had suffered a heart attack were given high-dose arginine to try to improve nitric oxide, to try to improve outcome, and it killed more people than the placebo. They repeated that study in patients with peripheral heart disease, which have endothelial dysfunction, and they get worse. So giving arginine to a patient that's nitric oxide deficient is like putting gas in a car with a blown-up engine. Mm. Right? They're not out of fuel. You're never out of arginine. You've just lost the ability to convert them. So that, that was kind of the first products to hit the market. And, you know, then in 2012, in the London Olympic Games, it was revealed that most of these athletes were drinking liters of beetroot juice because mm-hmm. there was, you know, some really good clinical studies showing that beetroot contained nitrate, which could be converted to nitric oxide, improve your performance. Yeah, I did it. So then <laughs> a number of companies brought to market beetroot juice. You know, I've tested probably every market, every product on the market. And most of these don't contain any nitrate, no nitrite, no nitric oxide activity whatsoever. So these are just, we call them dead beets. They're dead beet products. (laughs) They don't do anything except turn your pee and your poop uh, red and pink and cause a lot of anxiety. (laughs) So those, those are the two main products out there. And the companies that do this are just trying to, you know, capitalize on the, the market and the awareness around nitric oxide, but they have no idea about the underlying science and what it takes to make nitric oxide in the human body. Mm. Those were my frustrations. That's what led me to develop nitric oxide products because we know how the human body makes it. We know what goes wrong in people that can't make it and we can fix this and provide, you know, a source of nitric oxide that our whole process was if your body can't make it, then we got to do it for you. But we also understand why your body can't make it and we can fix that. So that's what we do, what no one else does. And now there's companies out there who certainly know better, but they continue to, to defraud and deceive their customers by, you know, selling beets or gummies and all this other crap that they know better, but yet they're still trying to do it to, to capitalize on the growth of the nitric oxide market. So I tell yeah. people just buyer beware. Don't, don't believe the, the people who spend the most money on advertising. Look for real science and people who understand the enzymology and biochemistry of nitric oxide. Yeah, and that, that's the key thing because it's a nitric oxide synthase 
the, the uncoupling of the 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 enzyme that's the problem isn't okay. it so so okay. you with your you've got two sort of products so for those watching on youtube that's one of them that's the lozenge um oh. that we've that I'm on and mum's on. Um, and that is something you take like every 12 hours and it dissolves in your mouth. And so this, so explain this one versus the, yep. the, the second product that you have. Sure. Well, I have to remind people that nitric oxide is a gas, right? And so when it's produced, it's gone in less than a second. So there's only finite ways you can deliver nitric oxide. You can't deliver nitric oxide in a gummy. You cannot deliver nitric oxide in a capsule. So there has to be a way that you can generate this gas. And so, again, I figured out that we could create this matrix that we put these components together. Then when you put it in your mouth, it slowly dissolves. So I intentionally designed that to have a resident time of about five to six minutes. Mm-hmm. But as that matrix and that lozenge is falling apart, these active components are coming together and we're generating nitric oxide gas. So, again, it's the only solid dose form of nitric oxide gas. Yes, yeah. So we're delivering a specific amount of nitric oxide that we can quantify, we can verify, and we can detect with a gas phase nitric oxide analyzer. And we, we deliver that over a certain period of time. So the whole concept was we want to give the body what it normally would produce. If your body can't make it, then we got to do it for you. Yeah. Right? We never want to give the body more than it was used to seeing. But we also have components in there that recouple the NOS enzyme. So without getting too into biochemistry, there's a certain, what's called a, an electrical potential or redox potential mm-hmm. that's required to prevent a removal of an electron from biomolecule. And we know the rate limiting step in that. So we maintain that redox potential so that we maintain the enzyme, the nitric oxide synthase coupling. coupling. So now when you take that lozenge, four hours later, we see about a 15% improvement in the body's ability to make nitric oxide on its own. So we, we, we accomplished exactly what we hope to accomplish. If your body can't make nitric oxide, we do it for you. And it's vasoactive, meaning that when you put that lozenge in your mouth, if we use an ultrasound, we can see a dilation of the carotid within 12, 15 seconds. That's crazy because so I just immediately did, a carotid, vasoactive. I did a carotid scan yesterday on mum. <laughs> she'd, had a, she'd had a lozenge an hour before. <laughs> It's yeah. probably going to show. It's great. <laughs> no, so right. yeah, there will be <laughs> probably if I'd done it uh, before we had them, maybe not so much, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. and, but this is this is how quickly it impacts, you know. And someone who's in their seventies, eighties is, you know, like w- the, w- this is the other thing. You've got test strips as well, so we can actually test them. I haven't got those in yet, but hoping to get those um, because I- I'm thinking with my clients, if we can test them, if you can see. Uh, your your NOS enzyme isn't working. You're not producing nitric oxide. We need to do something here. It, 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 you know, and, and they well, the have limitations. Strip, but but the, yep. yeah, the, the test strips are a little bit. I've gotten away from the test strips, and I developed those back in I think 2010. Mm-hmm. And really, the the purpose was because people would ask, "How do I know if I need nitric oxide?" And you can't go and do blood labs like you can for cholesterol mm-hmm. or vitamin D. So I developed this salivary test strip that really. And really today, even then, we knew what we're measuring in the saliva is salivary nitrite and really the ability of the oral cavity to reduce nitrate to nitrite. So the issue with those test strips are there's no false positives. So if you're low, you're low, right? We just don't know why you're low. Is it because you don't have the right bacteria? Is it because you're not getting enough nitrate from you? Is it because you have endothelial dysfunction? We don't know. The problem with the test strips are there's false positives. Mm. 
And we see this in patients with active dental infections. And so you may have all the clinical symptoms, high blood pressure, erectile dysfunction, diabetes, exercise intolerance, but yet you use the test strip and it turns bright pink. Well, obviously that patient isn't making sufficient nitric oxide because of the clinical symptoms. What we're picking up is an active immune response in the oral mucosa due to an active oral infection. Yeah. So I tell people, it, you know, that the strips are good because if you're, if you're low, you're low. Yeah. But don't exactly. be fooled by false positives. So yep. we really have to rely on symptoms. If you have erectile dysfunction, if you have an unsafe elevation of blood pressure, diabetes, exercise intolerance, you start to lose your memory. And those are all symptoms of nitric oxide deficiency. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's still powerful just to know, like, if you are low, you right. know, like with that limitation that, okay, you might get some false positives. Sure. And if you are positive, but you've got all those signs, still take the loss. Yeah, still the majority, the majority of people are going to show love. Yeah. Right. And that's the beauty because people, you know, think they're doing all the right things. And that's the conversation I have all the time. You got these well-trained athletes who are yeah. eating a plant-based diet, exercising every day. They're in great shape, but they're using mouthwash and yet blood pressure is starting to elevate they don't they're completely white on the test strip and they go what's going on i'm doing all the right things mm, mm. yeah you're doing all the right things but if you use mouthwash or antacids you completely abolish all the benefits of the things the good things you're trying to do okay like all the athletes because you know got a background as an ultra endurance athlete you know and so a lot of athletes listening to this will be like Shit, you mean I've been training my ass off for the last 20 years for no apparent reason and I'm not getting anywhere? Um, that yeah. might be why. <laughs> okay. Get rid so of the mouthwash. Get rid of that and the fluoride if you can. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, just um, it, you've also got, um, if we can just jump over, because I know you've got to go shortly and we've, you yeah. know, there's just a hundred. I'd love to have you back on if you've got time at some time in the future so we can go a little bit deeper into some things. But, you have also de- developed a line of skincare. When I first saw this, I was like, what the heck? You know, skincare? That, that, that's uh, um, great. I'm always looking for something to make my skin look nice, but uh, right. I, d- I never sort of, you know, um, c- connected the dots. Can you tell us a little bit of your background about why, you know, your story about your dad, um, yeah. why you got into the skin side of things and the cosmetics? Yeah, skin. <laughs> You know, I never intended or never thought I would be in skincare and beauty. But, you know, this this goes back probably, uh, well, eight or nine years ago. My dad, who's a paraplegic from a car accident in 1984, you know, he's he just turned 75. So he's been in a wheelchair for more than half his life. And so we've dealt with decubitus pressure ulcers most of my childhood and and adult life. So he developed a non-healing ulcer maybe in 2013, 2014. And every wound care doc I took him to said we couldn't heal this wound because he's, he's older, he's diabetic, uh, he's paraplegic. And so I started, and he got a massive infection in the wound. And so he was probably going to die from sepsis. And I just mm-hmm. treated the wound with nitric oxide. I developed a nitric oxide releasing gauze. I put it into the wound and I covered it up. And the next day he was completely fine. He was, fever was normal. The wow. wound looked good. It was completely granulated. And make a long story short, we did this for a period of year and completely healed this wound. We killed the infection, and I could see blood flow getting to the into the wound. We got tissue granulation, and eventually we did stem cells. We did a surgical flap and completely healed the wound. And now we're six years later, and he hasn't developed any other wounds. It's never gone through that period of time without developing some skin breakdown. Yeah. So then when the wound care docs, when I told them what I was doing, they go, 
how do I have access to this? How do we have, yeah. have we have access to this in clinical care? So obviously to go through FDA clinical trials and get a topical drug on the market for wound care takes many years and hundreds of millions of dollars. So I developed a skin a line of skincare products that's a dual chamber that you mix these two together and you rub it on your face or rub it on different body parts and it generates nitric oxide gas and it improves blood flow. And when you think about this, the skin is an organ, just like the heart, just mm. like the brain, just like the sex organs. And if that organ isn't getting enough blood supply, then it fails. So what does a failing skin look like? Well, you lose collagen, you lose hydration, fine lines and wrinkles show up, you get acne, rosacea, uh, psoriasis, autoimmune problems. So the nitric oxide, again, the same fundamental principles apply. If your body can't make nitric oxide, then we do it for you. And we actually improve the, the structure and function of the blood vessels in the skin. So you can actually see this product working before your eyes. When you apply it, you can see your skin will turn pink. So we're recruiting capillaries. I do demos on the back of my hand and you can see the veins pop. Wow. As soon as you add it on there, it diffuses into the skin. We improve blood flow. I think we've got five published clinical trials on that. We improve collagen deposition, you improve hydration, fine lines and wrinkles go away, polycystic acne, scar remediation, rosacea. I mean, there's really no dermatological condition where the nitric oxide that we're providing in that topical doesn't provide benefit. It's, it's remarkable. I haven't got yeah, that one new, yet. <laughs> well, like, it's, a, it's a new category in skincare yeah. because as you know, most skincare products are designed to hide or mask yeah. the fine lines and wrinkles of the blemishes. We, we get to the root of the problem. Why does your body have fine lines and wrinkles? Why does the skin sag and develop age spots? It's because there's not enough blood supply to there. So if you can't get the good stuff in and take out the trash, you can't mobilize stem cells, to regenerate and repair and replace those dermal cells, then you look old. So we provide yeah. nitric oxide, nitric oxide does all that. Oh, get me some of that stuff because I'm 55 you tomorrow. You <laughs> You're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to stop. I've got to slow it down. Getting that turkey neck thing going on, you know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we, um, can, we, we can help. <laughs> yeah, so it's really exciting, you know, like I've been in the world of peptides and love, you know, yep. GHK, uh, KCU and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. But this is a complete different, again, a bit of a different well, shift in that. Yeah, and now we're actually, we, we got a, an, what's called here in the U.S., an investigational drug application in front of the Food and Drug Administration in the U.S. So we're developing this now into topical drugs for wound care. Wow. Because we've seen, we haven't, we haven't seen a, there's not a single wound that we haven't treated with our topical nitric oxide that we didn't heal. We've got four or five year old non-healing wounds that we he, were healing in a period of weeks or months. Wow. Burns, diabetic ulcers, diabetic foot ulcers. I mean, this it's, is, it's a game in, changer in terms of wound care. If we can't wait for the, you know, like you've got aging mum with a, who your skin is thin and just rips like yeah, nothing and ends up with ulcers. Just use the, the, the normal skin serum skin or people with yeah. ulcers that I see regularly in the hyperbaric clinic, you know. Um, yeah, it, because, yeah, waiting for, like, waiting for drugs and FDAs and things is, you know, we'll, takes we'll, time. Be, we'll be on a skeleton on a bench by the time they come through sometimes. Eh? <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're hopeful because this is so transformative and unlike anything wound care has ever seen that we'll fast track this through FDA. So I, I wow. anticipate once we start the trials, you know, we're healing these wounds so quickly and unlike anything, any current kind of standard of care does for these wounds that 
I anticipate within the next two years, we'll have a, a topical drug on the market that will completely change the, the, the landscape of wound care. Wow, this is just just you know absolutely amazing because I've yeah, been dealing with those sorts of problems with mum when she yeah. was um, in a wheelchair for a couple of years before we, you know, got her back out of it, and and it just every older person is dealing with skin breakdowns, becoming thinner, and you know all of those sorts of issues and diabetic ulcers are. Uh, no, that's right, a, a and it's just a problem. blood flow problem. Yeah, I mean it's a blood flow problem. It's caused by poor blood flow, and then you apply pressure on certain pressure points, you further compress the tissue, further restrict blood flow. And it leads to skin breakdown. So when you yeah. when you apply nitric oxide, we overcome all that. And if you can just move the pressure, move the patients around. I mean, think about I think about this in nursing homes and long term illness yeah. facilities. I mean, this is yep. a major problem. It's huge. I mean, this last week, you know, we had to keep shifting mum every couple of hours yeah. so that she didn't develop and she still developed some stuff. Um, and you know, like this with the hyperbaric oxygen would be a beautiful combo is, is, is what, what I'm thinking, you know, add some intravenous vitamin C in there and you, you're going to be like really looking but, super yeah. young <laughs> and super now, healthy. Look, the, the answers are out there, right? You can't, yeah. I mean, you have to, especially in these complex patients, you, nitric oxide is foundational, but it's not a silver bullet. It's not the end all be all cure all. You still have to, you know, address these other concerns. But, you know, for us, it's we found it to be absolutely foundational. The body cannot and will not heal without nitric oxide. And so now we have to, you know, get this into the hands of as many people as we can to not only provide a source of nitric oxide that their body is not making, but really improve their body's ability to make it. And, and when you, you do that, the patient gets better. You have a second product. So you've got the nitric oxide lozenges that you sit, that sit on the tongue, and then you've got another product that, that just ups the nitrate levels in the body. Is that right? Well, that's the beet powder. So we, um, you know, beets, people understand beets. The media and these companies have done a good job about educating consumers on, on the health benefits of beets. And so we did the same thing. So we, we created a, a beet, number one, not all beets are created equal. As I told you, mm-hmm. 99% of the beet products out there don't do anything. Number two, beets are the third least liked vegetable in the world, yeah. <laughs> including me. I don't like the taste of beets. So what we did was did something different that never been done before. So number one, we control the, the growing process from the beets, from the seed to the time of harvest, the soil conditions. And then we take the beet powder and we ferment it. So we basically pre-convert our beets. Wow. So we're not dependent upon the individual's oral microbiome. Uh, uh. So we're not dependent upon, so in most beet products, maybe one out of three people will be, get a benefit from it because one out of three people have the right oral bacteria. Mm-hmm. What we do is we pre-convert it for you. And then we take out the beet pulp, we take out the oxalates, we take out the beet color and the beet taste. So now we have a white, super concentrated nitric oxide beet powder and we add electrolytes to it. We add mitochondrial ATP and we give it a, a mixed berry flavor. So you've got a really beautiful white powder that doesn't taste or look like beets, but provides nitric oxide. In fact, you have to take it as a shot. So as soon as you put it in water, you mix it up and, and take it as a shot. Just put it in two to three ounces of water and then throw it back. You can't sip on it because as soon as it hits solution, it's generating nitric oxide gas. Right. So you just got to get it in really, really quick. Got to get and- it in. Yeah. Mix it and take it back. Which is best for the, the athlete, you know, a combination of these products, these two or just one or the other for athletes? The lozenge is meant to be your daily nitric oxide. So mm-hmm. as a daily vitamin C or a daily, daily vitamin D, the lozenge really gives you that sustained NO over a certain period of time and recouples the NOS enzyme. 
Now, for, we, we really position the bead powder as a pre-workout for athletes mm-hmm. or as an energy drink. You know, we have to get young kids off things like Red Bull and Five Hour Energy and Monster Absolutely. Drinks because these are very dangerous, stimulant-ridden uh, drinks that Riffic. kids shouldn't be. So we provide an energy, a natural energy source. What is energy? Right, it's an improvement in circulation. It's improvement in mitochondrial function and actually ATP production. That's the energy currency of the cell. So we provide nitric oxide. We provide electrolytes for hydration, and we provide mitochondrial ATP. So it's the best energy drink on the market, and it's never been done before. And that's a very powerful product that we hope will you know take off and really give people a safe source of energy. Absolutely. And, and, and when you, if you are going to put both of these together, is that safe or can you overdo it? You know, like you're going to have two lozenges a day, like 12 hours apart is what I'm doing for mom. If I was to get the beet stuff going as well, am I overdoing, overcooking the, the goose, so to speak? No, I mean, as, as long as you allow, say, four to six hours in between them. Mm-hmm. So personally, this is what I do. I take a lozenge in the morning. I typically go to the gym and work out in the afternoon and the evenings. So I'll take the beet powder you know, as I'm walking into the gym, again, it's, yeah. it's quick acting. You don't need to take it 90 minutes before, 15 minutes before. You can take it as you're walking into the gym. You're going to get a great workout. And then, you know, when I travel a lot, I'll take a lozenge typically before bed. So I take usually two lozenges a day, the beet powder before I work out. Gotcha. That's a perfect combination. And obviously yeah. you're using the skin creams because your skin looks pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Use that every day. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Dr. Bryant, you've just been absolutely amazing. Um, I, I will let you go because I know you've got about five minutes before you can deliver a lecture. That's right. <laughs> um, I would stuck love in to have hotel you. Room. Yeah, 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 stuck in another hotel room, traveling, getting this message out, doing the amazing work that you're doing. You've written a number of books as well. Can you just tell us where, where do people go? I mean, I'm going to get your products. We're going to try and work a way to do that. So people check in, in, in my shop and stuff and, uh, reach out to me if you, you, you want to get it. But where do they contact you? What books do they read? You know, where can they read some yeah. of the science? Well, the first, place I send people is to my educational website. I've got a website called drnathansbryan.com. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I do a monthly blog, but really I'm trying to provide the up-to-date knowledge and information and science behind microtoxin so that people can make informed decisions on what to do, how to modify their lifestyle, take, change some things up, stop taking mouthwash, get rid of fluoride, get off antacids. And then that's sometimes that's simple enough. Uh, I'm on PubMed, you know, I've published over 100 peer-reviewed papers in the scientific literature. Um, I'm on Instagram at Dr. Nathan S. Bryan, uh, LinkedIn at Dr. Bryan, Nathan Bryan, uh, Twitter at Dr. Nitrick, um, what else? And then I got a book called Functional Nitric Oxide Nutrition that's been been published now for about four years. I've got a new book coming out in January called The Secret of Nitric Oxide, Bringing Nitric Oxide to Life. So stay tuned to that one. That's really a it's, it's part autobiographical, talking about how we made these discoveries that really transformed into nitric oxide and kind of our personal journey, yep. but also kind of the real science around nitric oxide and really trying to build the global awareness on so people understand nitric oxide and the importance of it so they can take control of their own health and start to apply these things into their everyday life. And uh, because we know the healthcare system isn't going to take care of us, we have to learn to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I've read your first book and that was absolutely fabulous. So I look forward to the second one and maybe when that comes out, you can jump on the on the on the show sure. again and, and, and walk us Love through to. that. 
Uh, you're an absolute amazing person. I thank you so much for the passion that you bring to this um, space. You're really helping millions of people around the world with what you're doing and bringing the science to light. Um, I know that it's not easy bringing these things to market as a supplement producer myself. I know that, you know, it's not an easy road and doing drug discovery and all of that sort of stuff. Oh my God, you know, and trials and everything. So thank you so much for, for all the work you do. You're just absolutely amazing. Well, thank you, Lisa. Keep up the good work and it's been great spending an hour with you and we'll, we'll certainly do it again. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends. Head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatamati.com. <laughs>